Welcome to Breaking Barriers with the Managed Services Community, a podcast that features MSP space and interviews with members of the CompTIA Managed Services Community. Thank you for joining us today on this issue of Breaking Barriers with CompTIA's managed services community. We're very excited today. We're going to be talking a little bit about culture. Um, We have a couple of folks with us to dig into kind of how culture can impact your success of your business and and some real life example uh, with Jason Brunt of E3 Technical Solutions. And uh, joining Jason today is Steve Alexander with MSP Ignite. And so I welcome both Steve and Jason to uh, to Breaking Barriers. You guys, uh, thank you for being here. And uh, Steve, take it away. Thanks, Miles. We talk a lot about culture in, in business and uh, certainly working, working with over 100 MSPs and small business owners. Uh, we hear this all the time. It's very difficult to find the right people. It's very difficult to hold on to the right people. And we have a fantastic working culture. And of course, when we hear that, we tend to ask questions like, well, tell us about your working culture. And more often than not, what we hear is well, we have a casual work environment and there's a pool table and we have beer on Friday afternoons and that's our culture. And to me, that's, that's partially a culture, I guess. It's, it's, it's cutting the surface a little bit, but it's not really a work culture. And I find that, that often in business, we have, we have two different things. We have the accidental culture that maybe comes from our, our upbringing, our background and, and just the way we want to work. And then we have the targeted culture, the, the culture that not only goes to who we are, but also where we're trying to go and what we're trying to do. And, and I find myself frequently thinking back to a session I went to um, fairly recently with diversity in IT, enhancing diversity in IT um, at CompTIA, where I was thinking about my upbringing, and I, I grew up in a very racially diverse uh, area. And a friend of mine recently said to me, well, you don't think about prejudice because you don't think in color. It's just not who you are. And the result of that in all my businesses has been that we hire the best person for the job no matter what. We don't really care if it's a man or a woman. We don't care about the color of your skin. We don't care about, we don't even care about the way you dress necessarily because we can help fix that. And partially that was our culture, that we're an open, welcoming company but we really didn't do anything to make people feel welcome other than the fact that that's the way I was as a person. And, and Jason, in chatting with you earlier, you were, you were telling me that story um, about your background and how you got started the business and, and the way you think and the way you hire. And I, and I think it's fascinating for people to hear just how you really can build a culture for purpose as well. Yeah, so my my background is a little bit unique, uh, especially in the tech world, uh, coming from a world where um, you tend to be better at mathematical skills, logic, uh, you know, things of those nature. And when I went to um, into sixth grade, I was diagnosed with dyslexia and ADD. Uh, this was a bit of a, a setback in my mind, um, as I didn't really think I was any different. So to me, I just kind of figured, well, okay, well, I don't know what that means. And at the time, I think a lot of people didn't really know what, what that meant um, in my 40s. And, you know, my parents really just kind of, well, I don't know. I mean, whatever, you know, if he needs help, give him some help. And that was kind of it. The school really didn't know where to go with that. And what they did was they put us into um, classes or special education classes. And we, I sat next to kids who were everything from 
range the gamut from disciplinary issues uh, to learning disabilities all the way to um, Down syndrome and, and other extreme um, autism and other more extreme uh, disabilities. And w what we happened was, you know, you're handed uh, third grade English books and third grade math books and science books, and you don't you don't actually fit in real well, you know, when, when you're in those circumstances and you have other kids who uh, obviously it's all about the, the patriarchy and, and, you know, what, what kid is tougher than the next kid or smarter than the next kid in school, right? So you go through a lot of bullying and a lot of struggles there. And um, as I was going through seventh, eighth grade, we had some some uh, projects to work on. What do we want to do with our lives? Where do we want to go? And at the time, honestly, technology really wasn't on my mindset at the time. It wasn't something I had any thoughts towards. We had the Oregon Trail. <laughs> that was as far as we took it in our in our school. Uh, so at the time, I, I really had no ambitions there. However, um, I, I certainly uh, wanted to go to college. So that was that was what I was uh, planning to do. And we went to the library, and everyone picked a book on what they wanted to do with their lives. And this, you know, somebody wanted to be a plumber or work construction or whatever it was. And I picked a book on colleges. And basically, uh, what happened was my teacher said that I should put that back, and that I, I really didn't have much of a chance to make it in college, and I'd be lucky if I graduated from high school. Uh, it was a little bit, you know, disconcerting. It was a little, a little. Um, uh, you know, a bit of, a bit of a sadness for me thinking, well, if my teacher doesn't think I can make it, maybe I can't. And I remember thinking that was really the first time starting to actually hit me where, well, wait a minute, maybe I'm not very smart. Um, not that I thought I was overly smart, just, you know, below average, I guess. And, and that's when it really struck. Uh, and that, that really changed my attitude at that point all the way until my senior year. Uh, my senior year, I decided I was 18 and I could do what I want. I can either quit school or my counselors can put me in regular classes and I could prove that I'm not stupid. Uh, and that's how I viewed it at the time. Um, and so that's what we did. And, you know, they obviously decided it would be better if I, I still tried to graduate. So uh, they put me in regular classes and I actually uh, uh, did very well and um, did go to college. Uh, now, unfortunately, I, I went for about three years and didn't finish, um, but I certainly was capable and, and I did uh, better than anyone thought I ever would. Um, actually got better grades in college than I did in high school. So coming from that background and, and getting into the IT world, it was it was still a big struggle for me. Uh, it was very difficult to go from, uh, you know, a traditional learning environment right into another traditional learning environment, right? It was you read and you, you produce. And really the IT world, the corporate world, it was the same way. Uh, and that's that was a struggle for me. Um, and so I had to learn differently and I had to go, go with audiobooks, which were not very, um, uh, there were not a lot of them back then, especially on technical subjects. Um, and I really had to adjust how I did things. And it took me a lot longer to, in my opinion, get to where I needed to be, to be successful and to, to, um, you know, be more technical and, and gain my uh, technical experience. From that, I realized uh, once I was able to establish my own business, and I, I still struggle with those occasionally, you know, those thoughts are always going to be in the back of your mind, well, you're not good enough. But once I realized I had some success, I looked at what a lot of people like me are missing. Um, and really, that's that's the same idea. A lot of them are missing that that culture in their lives, That that whether it's a family issue, whether it's the school or that the maybe they do have a, a position and a job and, and they don't have a culture where someone helps them 
um, you know, do, uh, you know, exceed, um, you know, standards and, and best practices and be able to actually get out there and accomplish things in their life. And it makes them feel very, um, very left behind, I guess, is probably the, the, uh, the idea. So for me, from that perspective, I don't know if you guys, you know, if you, Steve, if you've seen that in, in this world from, from an educational standpoint or from IT. Um, but that's something that, that kind of kicked off for me as a start um, as to where, where I wanted to do things a little differently. Thanks for sharing that, Jason. I think it's important for people to hear. But I think the, the, real, the real cool part about this is how what you went through growing up and your struggles with, with with how you were treated and the way you had to learn differently than other people were learning and things of that nature has shaped the way you hire people, you train people, right? You, what your expectations right. are of your staff. I think, I think that's the cool part, right? Like our background is what shapes us, but we don't all use it in a way that really helps us drive a, a real culture in our company. And, right. and I'm assuming from, from the brief conversations we've had that, in your case, it does. Like, yes. do, you, do you lean on certifications for your stuff? I do not, actually. Um, I don't, I don't uh, frown upon them, um, but I, I certainly don't make it a requirement. I am willing to pay for them uh, for staff that's interested, uh, but I do not make it a requirement. And, and the fascinating part about that is, you know, when we talk to MSPs from, from all over the country, most people kind of laugh at certifications, right? They go, well, right. I don't really care about certifications. It's, you know, we even if they are certified, it doesn't mean they know anything and this and that, sure. right? We take them mm -hmm. because vendors need them, or we take them because sure. we have to show our clients that we're certified for some reason because it's an easier way to explain that we're knowledgeable, right? But more often than not, we don't we don't find it interesting. How many people in your company, Jason? So there's ten of us now, including myself. I have one one gentleman that's a been with me for six years now and uh he i i have some some odd backgrounds as to where i met the individuals that i have hired um and, and this is also kind of a unique way of doing things uh from what i've learned uh from other people to me it seemed normal to be honest but but this is i, I found that this was abnormal um so one gentleman uh, that's been with me for six years i i actually met him uh online playing a video game uh <laughs> of all things, right? We were, we were killing zombies together. Um, and, you know, we met and uh, started talking and, and, you know, just kind of were playing games together occasionally here and there. And then um, after a couple of years of, of that, um, he had decided he really wanted to get into the tech field. And so we talked quite a bit about it. And he decided he wanted to start school and he was interested in, in tech. And so he actually was out in Nevada uh, starting. He was about to start school. He was in Nevada and he was having trouble getting a job. He was living at home with his parents. He had come back from two tours uh, in, in Afghanistan and just could not find a job, could not get anything, and decided that he was uh, going to have to figure out a way to get back to the East Coast because he had a son living out here. I said, well, I'm on the East Coast. I'm not in New York where your son is, but it's at least drivable. So I paid for his ticket. I shipped his box of one box of, uh, of items, his, his gaming PC and his clothes, and uh, we started from there. And he actually lived with me for uh, another unique aspect, but he lived with me for three months until I could get him on a seat and um, kind of went from there. And it's, uh, it's honestly been, been excellent. He's been a great, great employee and he doesn't live with me anymore. So that's good as well. <laughs> um, 
but it's just one unique way. And, and you know, I've, I've actually done that on, on multiple levels. I've hired two people that I met on Facebook um, of all places. So, you know, there's a lot of unique ways to find staff and to find people. And there are a lot of good people out there that don't fit the normal or typical or expected criteria. But the, if you know what to look for in a personality and you care more about as long as they have that minimum level of aptitude, if you care more about their personality and how you can take that personality and, and use that to fit in your organization, to fit with your clients, because we all know the most important aspect of what we do as an MSP is to put our guys in front of a client, right? That front facing. So it's really key. And, and, and in the tech field, we've seen it many, many times. There's plenty of guys that you have no problem sliding pizza and Mountain Dew under the door. But you don't really want to let them out, right? So those are the kind of guys that really don't work well in my environment. My culture isn't that type of culture or a culture that can get out there and be in front of clients. And that was my focus. CompTIA benefits provide members with a wealth of resources that when leveraged result in measurable impact, helping to grow IT businesses and careers. Become a member today at comptia.org register. I'm listening to this and I'm thinking of all the people that tell me at every, at every peer group meeting we go to how difficult it is to find, find people right now, right? The right. economy is yeah. such that yeah. everyone, anyone good is employed and they are, they're right. all being paid overpaid. So how do I hire them? How do I, how do I even find people? And, and you're finding people playing games and looking on Facebook. Yeah. I actually, one of my guys that's been working for me the longest, actually I brought him on before I started my business at, at my last company and he uh, knew absolutely nothing. He was working for a machine shop and he was doing, taking phone calls, filling orders and, and shipping boxes. And um, I, I just saw something in him. He had gotten laid off. And what I saw in him was a, a guy in his early thirties with a family who, who really, you know, had the desire and the gumption to keep going. I saw a guy who had three retail jobs, three retail jobs to pay the bills. So the guy certainly didn't have quit in him, right? And I saw that. And ironically, I saw it playing volleyball. I was actually playing uh, recreational volleyball and, and uh, trying, to, trying to keep the, the waist slim in our IT careers, right? As we sit in desks all day. And uh, I met this guy and, and started talking to him and realized that, um, you know, maybe he does have some aptitude towards tech. He certainly has the attitude we need. And, and I asked him, I said, you ever done anything with tech? Well, no, no, not really. I'm like, okay, nothing at all. Nothing. Well, actually, now that I think about it, I remember I upgraded the RAM in one of our uh, desktops at work one time, you know, and I installed the printer that one time. We needed a printer. It was just plugging USB in the disk and, you know, but that's what, you know, so I started really, okay, that's not, that's certainly not, you know, a level three tech, but, you know, you don't have to start with a level three tech, okay? So I could start with a guy who I could pay affordable rates and train him, and that's what I did, and I, I trained him, and, and um, he actually works uh, part-time for me still now. He does my second shift, and uh, he works uh, for another guy that I know. Uh, in the biofarm company, in the biofarm company, and uh, I've been doing software and, and uh, support for for them for ten years now. So, uh, and you, for me you as well. said it earlier. You said it earlier, and it's so true that we, you know, we, in order to be successful, we need to hire the person, not the skill, right? Right. And yep. and certainly we need that aptitude. We need the skill. We need someone that can learn, or or have some of the technical aptitude. But we tend to get blinded by the resume. And then forget. That's right. And I, I listen to when people ask me to do interviews and say, I found this person, they're great. 
And I, I do the interview, and of course, I'm not paying attention to their technical aptitude at all when I do the interview. And I'm, and I'm saying, what in the world made them think this was going to be a good hire? Like, this person doesn't right. fit culturally who I know as the owner of this company. Not sure how he, fit, he or she would fit in the company. Yet they're going, yeah, but look at the experience. And I'm thinking, okay, but it's not going to work. So yeah. why would you go down this path? And we, I think we forget when I was young in business, you know, I'd go to a, a wedding or a party or an affair of some sort, and you're chatting with the people at your table and, well, what do you do? What do you do? What do you do? And I found that I didn't want to talk about my business, not because right. I was ashamed or anything, because I was tired of talking about my business, right? When you're a business <laughs> owner, you talk about it, you think about it all day long. And right. I just, I really just didn't want to. And my wife at the time asked me about it. And I told her, I was like, well, I'm very proud of the business I'm building and what we're doing and everything else. I just, first of all, you tell someone you're in IT, either they're going to tell you that they're an expert or their son's an expert or their daughter's an expert, or they're going to start asking you for advice. One or the other would happen, especially back in the day, not as much today, because everyone's more literate than they used to be with computers. And it probably took me 10 years in business to flip that switch and realize that as a business owner, I am a business owner 24 by 7. That right. doesn't mean I need to talk business 24 7 or work in the business 24 7, God forbid. But I'm a business <sighs> owner 24 7. And that means if I have an opportunity to meet somebody that might be able to help our business, whether it's a referral source, a potential customer, or the holy grail, if you will, and that is a, a, a star employee down the road, then right. I should at least open up that conversation and find it out. I, I hired someone two years ago, ironically, leaving a Compia event. I'm in O'Hare. It's October. The Cubs are in the playoffs. It's a Thursday night. And I bumped into this young lady, like everybody else, just kind of hanging out by the TV in between walking to a gate. And we bumped into each other leaving and ended up going to the same gate. And both had our heads on a swivel looking for a TV with the Cubs game. And it was nothing but boring uh, Thursday night football on. And so I started walk. I started walking around the corner to, to one of the bars I knew about that kind of tucked away. And she goes, excuse me, where are you going? And I said, I'm pretty sure the game's going to be gone over here. Come on. And this is a, a, a young lady in her mid twenties just happens to be flying somewhere. And we start chatting and I, I learned that she dropped out of medical school when her mother was diagnosed with cancer and to come home and not just come home and be with her mother, but quite honestly, she assumed the, the matriarchal role in her family, even though she wasn't the oldest and not even the oldest, oldest female in the family. But she just, it's who she was as a person. And she right. told me that she really needed some part-time work and asked for my business card so that maybe she could shoot me a resume and maybe I, know, I seem to know a lot of people. And I hired her part-time while she continued her education and, and chose not to go back to medical school. Well, she just wow. graduated in May. And I, she, first of all, asked me to come to her graduation and I couldn't make it. And I said, why don't you come? I owe you a present for your graduation. So I'm flying her to San Diego where I'm going to be before a conference next week. And this goes to show you who this person is. She doesn't work for me anymore, by the way. She graduated and we agreed when she graduates, that's it. She's going to go pursue her career. And she said, well, if I'm coming out there and I, I don't have a job yet, 
I don't, I'm not looking to get paid, but you have this really important conference that we've been talking about now for a while. What can I do to help? I'll stay and, and help at the conference. And I just found myself smiling going, I really need to hire her. I really need to say, forget the career you're going after. You need to right. work with me because I want to work with you, right? And the truth is, I'm trying to say, no, go pursue your career first, and I'll be here if you want to come back down the road. Yeah. And I think when we find people like that, we owe it to ourselves to say, is this the kind of company I want to have? Is this the kind of person I want on my team? Right. And if so, how do I make a, a concerted effort to make my company attractive to those types of people? Because I will be more successful if I do it. It works both ways. We both, both have to be attractive uh, to, to each other. Yep. Yeah, no, 100%. And it's, it's just amazing, right? The people we meet, if we just let our guard down. And by the way, our right. backgrounds are totally different. Um, you know, she's, she's raised in a Dominican family. Her father barely speaks English. Um, mm -hmm. He speaks it enough that when I told him that both of his daughters make me feel like we're family, because I was there for one of their events um, at a family-owned business, he said to me in his broken English, from now on, we are. <laughs> and I just found myself, and by the way, that was the last person I spoke to before I left and went to the airport. And I found myself sitting in the airport going, how cool is this that I, because I bumped into her in an airport and started chatting while we walked to the gate, that I feel like I'm part of another family. And isn't that what we all say as small business owners? I, I haven't met a small business owner yet that doesn't say something to the effect of, we like to run our business like it's a family. This is a family business. We right. treat everyone like they're part of the family. But if we don't have a concerted effort at hiring family members, and I don't mean really our family members, but people we want to be family with, because probably the others we don't want to be family with, um, then, we, then we won't get there, right? Hey, Miles, I'm going to invite you back in just because I'm watching our time. Thanks, Steve. I'd like to kind of put a button on it for everybody. So as you've hopefully kind of let this, this conversation, you know, fall over you a little bit, if you're thinking, well, what can I do with this information? How can this apply to me? You know, I didn't have these life experiences. This was, you know, I have a totally different uh, worldview and all of these. That's, that's not what you should be taking from this, right? What you should be taking from this is, to, to mold your personal experience and then intentionally apply that to create your culture. Because if you don't, your culture is going to create itself. And then that's out of your hands of what that becomes and how do you fit people into that. But if you've got a good handle on it and you understand this is what I want to get out of it, um, these are the type of people that I feel can do this, um, you're going to have a, a more successful opportunity to kind of take your business to that next level and really, um, really grow with them and have dedicated, happy employees, um, you know, all pulling on the same rope because you're all there for the same reason. So I, I think that's a, to me, is, is one of the biggest takeaways um, and lessons that, that can be learned, um, you know, from your experiences, Jason. Yeah, I agree. And I think kind of along what both of you said is that keeping your, your mindset open to opportunities that you might otherwise not think about or consider realistic opportunities like you know steve was mentioning the, the girl that that he met in the airport and i mean normally who would think about talking to somebody in an airport that they might end up working for you someday or facebook or online games or, or in any any world really in any of your personal life we, we all try on some level to separate our business with our personal lives 
but it's very difficult. So I, I think it's, it's, it should be something that we're open-minded to in areas and places that we might not even consider an option or think about. We might find somebody that's in a disadvantaged situation that we can help that will in turn help us as well in our business and our culture. As I listened to what you were saying, I found myself saying what I think the message should be is go back and revisit your core values that you, that you probably worked hard on and say, do they really reflect who I want to have working in this company and the culture I want in this right. company? And if they don't, maybe it's time to modify a little. All right. On that, I want to thank both Jason Brunt and Steve Alexander for joining us today um, and leave you all with a, with a couple of calls to action. Uh, the managed services community is available. Please come on and join us. Uh, you can find us at comptia.org. Just navigate over to the community section and you can get more content like this. You could, uh, we've got meetings and things as well online and in person. And in speaking of in-person meetings, CompTIA Channel Con is coming up. It's at Las Vegas. We'll be at the Bellagio this year, August 5th to the 7th. Come on out. We're going to be doing a great workshop with the managed services community there. Going to break down into business strategy and planning and culture again is going to come up there as well. But we're looking ways to kind of keep you aimed at the future and, and protected from things that may be coming your way. So hopefully you'll get an opportunity to join us live. If not, please do join the community. And, and again, thank you, Jason. And thank you, Steve, for being here today. Thank you for listening to Breaking Barriers with the Managed Services Community. You can find more episodes and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you find your favorite podcasts.